Hello and welcome to Drunk Duck Cinema Club. We're here at the pond doing our bi-weekly movie podcast. I'm Michael Pugliese. And I'm Allie Darling. This week's movie is Get Out, which is about a black man who stumbles into a very white, very weird world. Yes, very weird indeed. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was like super surprised when uh, one of the Key and Peel dudes ended up making a horror movie. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure that was how it was presented to me the very first time. That's like, yeah, you know, it's the guy from Key and Peele. Yeah, the guy from Mad TV. Yeah, the guy, <laughs> exactly. The guy from Mad TV has made like a straight He's up. made a fucking horror movie. Yeah, I feel like when I first heard about it, the person who told me about it said that they figured it was just like a skit they had come up with that kind of went rogue. Like they did a little skit and like realized it had like subtext or potential and just made a movie. Yeah, but and... So, like, I don't know about you, but before this movie, I knew them, or I knew Jordan Peele most for uh, Keanu. Yes. Like, I didn't, I didn't watch movie? Key yeah. and Peele. I oh, didn't no? watch Mad TV, really. Yeah. Um, but, like, I knew of their work. But, yeah, no, I watched Keanu. And, you know, Keanu kind of seems like one of those movies where um, almost like a throwaway comedy. Like, that's, I first started watching it. Like, I put it kind of, like, on my TV and, yeah. you know. You put it on while you're doing like shit you don't want to do at home, yeah. like laundry or whatever. Yeah. But then like about halfway through, I was just like, I need to be watching this. This is fucking funny <laughs> shit, man. Yeah. Um, so I actually did have like I was skeptical, but I did have high hopes for this movie. I had like a really so having seen them and having watched a lot of their skits and knowing like how creative they were. I think my only like hang up when I was thinking about watching it was really that I wasn't sure about how well he would take the horror. But when you watch the movie, you kind of get the sense of like how horror, the movie genre for horror kind of relies on a lot of the same stuff as a comedy, right? Like the reveal is really important. The timing's really important. Like all of those skills that you would get from doing comedy would be so translatable into horror, which is why I think he does such a good job and why he's got like so much praise for the movie. Um, and I also fortunately did not have a lot of time to mull over the movie before I watched it because someone just kind of put it on and I was like, Oh, we're watching this. Like, so I didn't have a, a, a lot of time to make a first impression. Oh, before that's, I saw that's it. perfect. So you basically went in blind. Yes. To me, that's the best way to go in a movie. You have as little preconceived notion yeah. as possible and you just let it happen to you. I knew it was, a, I knew it was a horror movie and I knew something bad happened and that was it. <laughs> As, like, I mean, have you ever watched a horror movie where something, where good, just good things happen? Yeah, no, no, I haven't. Yeah. Unfortunately, no. Okay, then. Well, let's get into it. All right. So, Get Out is a 2017 horror film and the directorial debut of director writer Jordan Peele, who, until the release of the film, was best known for his sketch comedy work in shows like Mad TV and Key and Peele. And, of course, 2016's Keanu. Well, despite his association with comedy, Peele is a longtime horror fan and had been wanting to do a horror movie for a long time. He used horror classics Rosemary's Baby and The Stepford Wives as inspiration, wanting to do for race what those movies did for gender. So Peele pitched the idea of the film to a producer and was shocked when they offered to buy the pitch and to pay him to write the script. The film had been conceived in Peel's mind over a period of years, and it took him only two months to get a first draft of the script. Peel ultimately decided to direct Get Out himself, and after 23 days of shooting and $4.5 million later, 
Get Out was released to audiences on February 24th, 2017. They really only had 23 days of shooting? That doesn't seem like a lot. No. I, I don't know how much is normal, but that doesn't seem like very much. Like, it takes me, like, 23 days to fucking clean my house. Like, <laughs> like that seems like nothing. I mean, I, I guess can there's s- not a lot of scenes, but, like, holy fuck. It seems like they only really have, like, one set, like, one... I guess that's true. Like there's one area that they need to be in and that still seems like pretty fucking quick. Still. Yeah. Pretty efficient and pretty low budget too. Yeah. Well, that was what I had read. So with the impact of this movie, so it was the 10th most profitable movie of 2017 because it had a multiplier of 56.6 for every dollar spent. They made that much back. Wow. Including all of their expenses and revenue and like paying all that stuff. So they grossed a total of $255.5 million. And after they paid everybody and paid for all their expenses, they had a net profit of $124.8 million. How much? $124.8 million. $124.8. Oh. Compared to their, those, what they spent, the four point five that they spent. It's, that's the nice thing about horror movies, right? You can spend like peanuts on a budget and if it takes off, then it's a lot. Yeah. And the other thing that was interesting is they said that it was said that a lot of the movie goers bought their tickets like at the theaters. Like it wasn't a lot of tickets that were sold online, which is sort of atypical because usually you assume if the movie doesn't sell a lot of tickets online, then there's not going to be a lot of people going to see it. Yeah. That is kind of the typical way that people buy tickets. Like I, I always buy tickets online beforehand because you want to get good seats right yeah so apparently this movie had a bunch of interesting uh sort of presence in the theater so people bought a lot of tickets at the theater which means they either made the choice there or like just we're gonna go see it regardless of where they were sitting and then the other thing was it didn't do what most horror movies do which is drop off in popularity by about 60 percent after the first week that's like the standard yeah, box so, office drop. Most, yeah. most movies have a box office drop unless they're something special though, right? And I think, but I think horror especially is bad, right? Because horror is often really hyped. So it's like once people have seen it, then people know the spoilers, then people won't bother. Right. You know what I mean? So apparently the typical drop off is about 60% and it only dropped by like 20 or something. Like it had like three weeks of solid revenue. Like it was the top three movie for three weeks. It was the top, it was number one for the first week. And then Logan came out, so it was number two. Right, of course. And then uh, something else came out, so it became number three after the third week. I think this was a real word-of-mouth kind of hit because I don't remember really seeing any advertising for it necessarily. I mean, I'm sure there was. Like, I don't watch cable TV. And also, I feel like if you mapped it out on a timeline, it probably happened pretty fast. Like, if he got approval, wrote a script in two months, and it took them, like, a month to shoot it. Like, that's a fast movie. Like, it sounds like once he got approval, he just went. Just went and got it done. So I don't know if they would have had like years to hype the movie up like they have with other movies because it probably didn't take years to make. I mean, it very well, I'm only starting to understand like film festival, how film festivals work now, but I think a lot of them, they'll premiere at film festivals in like the late summer or fall. They'll get a distribution deal and then boom, they're out in winter. So it's very well that, yeah, it could have got picked up real quick and then just shoved out into theaters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then there was a couple other interesting things that it had done. So it was uh, in April. So like a month or so after it came out, uh, it early April, it became the highest grossing film domestically directed by a black filmmaker, which beat out uh, F. Gary Gary, F. Gary Gray's Straight Outta Compton. Oh, shit. Which grossed one one hundred sixty two point eight million in twenty fifteen. 
However, three weeks later, or two weeks later, The Fate of the Furious came out by the same guy, F. Gary Gray, and took the record oh. back. <laughs> so he had oh, two man. weeks of being the top grossing. Oh, poor, yeah. poor Jordan. Yeah. Gary Gray is just like, oh, you take my fucking title? I know. Um, it still retains the title, though, of the highest grossing debut film based on an original screenplay in all of Hollywood history. Okay, so well, it beat out the Blair Witch Project for that. Oh, yeah, because that made a shit ton of money yeah, when it came so, out. Yeah, so Blair Witch Project made $140 million, which was a shit ton in 1999. Considering it probably cost like $10,000. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I don't know how much it cost. <laughs> Two bucks. Two. <laughs> Definitely. They, they already had all the film equipment. They just needed snacks. They just needed the woods. It's fine. <laughs> Went out in the woods and shake a camera around for an hour. One thing that I thought is worth mentioning with this movie, uh, it did win an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. Um, Jordan Peele is the first African-American to win. Um, but the movie was also nominated for Best Picture. Um, the main character was nominated for Best Actor. And Peele was nominated for Best Director. But there was a lot of, like, uh, interference and sort of issues with the Oscar sort of jury as to whether or not this movie deserved an Oscar and whether or not it was Oscar-worthy. So the main complaints that people had were that it was because it was a horror movie and because it was also a comedy that genre doesn't really win horror movies. And that the overall assumption was I mean, that it, it doesn't was, win awards. It doesn't win Oscars mm. like Oscar. Like I think the last horror movie to win an Oscar was like the Blair witch project or something like it's not common or silence of the lambs. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. And the last comedy was probably Shakespeare in love. Yeah, like there's not, it's not a super common one. Like it's always like dominated by dramas and like action movies and like whatever. But the other reason was, uh, I guess a lot of people just figured that it wasn't, I think there was a lot of pushback because people on the Oscar committee were reported to just refuse to watch it because they said it's not Oscar worthy. I'm not watching it. And even after it had been nominated and put forward by so many people, there was a lot of people saying, I'm just not going to watch it. It's not Oscar worthy. And people were like, that's bullshit. Like you should watch the movie and then decide that. Yeah. So right? in, in reading a lot of the fan reviews, that is something I've come across too, is people just on the premise of the movie or the fact that the movie won, um, a, won awards or something. Yeah. They, they just push back on it. Yeah. People just hate when Good, something popular things. Yeah. Yeah. Contrarians. I, mean, I think we brought that up in our last episode where, you know, there's always going to be people who just, hate on something because everybody else likes something. Well, okay, just in case you haven't seen Get Out, which if you haven't, you should just stop this now and go get out it, yeah. and go see it. Oh, uh, my God. You see what I did? I'm going to go. Do, do you see what I did? <laughs> I don't. All right. So the premise for Get Out is as follows. A young African... <clears throat> the premise for Get Out is as follows. A young African-American visits his white girlfriend's parents for the weekend where his simmering uneasiness about their reception of him eventually reaches a boiling point. That's a very vague description for a very <laughs> fucked up movie. Um, so we do have our Get Out inspired cocktail with us that we've been slowly sipping on. It's delicious. It's uh, oh, strong. Yeah. It, it is a hefty I'm really, one. I'm really glad it has this whipped cream because I think that's cutting a lot of it and it's very good. Yeah, so what we have here is uh, kind of a dessert. Uh, it's, it's like a dessert. It's a liquid dessert. Drink. It's a yeah. liquid dessert. Yeah. Okay, so what we got is one ounce Kraken black rum, two ounces of Kahlua, oh my God. 
and one ounce of peppermint schnapps. Mixed in a shaker with four ounces of chocolate milk. Mm -hmm. Shake that shit up over ice. Just strain it out into a fat glass. With chocolate. Yes, yes, yes. So we have some fanciness here. We got some chocolate, melted chocolate running up the sides and the bottom of the glass. We got some whipped cream on top of that with some chocolate shavings. And you garnish that with just a little bit of mint leaf. A couple mint leaves, yeah. Just just a little bit of mint just leaf. Just a few mint. Mint, mint. mint. And that's what makes it healthy. So the other thing that I'm thinking of now that we should have thought of earlier is this would probably be delicious with hot chocolate. Oh, shit. We should have made this a hot drink. This should be a hot drink. Hondo P. All right, well, scrap. <laughs> scrap Forget this. the whole thing. Forget <laughs> what I just said. There, there is possible there could be a... Uh, hot version. A hot uh, iteration of this drink. But, yeah. but it's August, so it's a cold drink. Yes, for right now, if if I had to drink a hot drink now, right now, I'd be pretty unhappy. Mm. But all things said and done, um, I I quite like it. I know you're. it is a pretty boozy, what, with four ounces of alcohol in and it. And they're one-to-one, yeah. Yeah. Mm. But, you know. <laughs> Party time. If you're going to drink, then fucking drink. Yeah. And I do find that the... I mean, I, I think it's the peppermint, yeah. the chocolate, and the whipped cream, and also shaking it with the ice. All those things combine to kind of ease up the punch in the face of the alcohol. It does. It is easy. Yeah. It is easy. Although I do like that it still has enough alcohol. Like, it's got a warm... It's There's got that some warmness. warmth. Yeah, that's why I feel like it'd be good with a hot chocolate, because it'd have that toasty warmth that makes you think you're warm in the wintertime, but yes. you're not. It's the kind of drink that will send you straight to sleep. Yeah. Especially if With it were warm. a disgusting amount of morning breath afterwards. Uh, <laughs> you can't just drink milk and go to bed. I mean, like you can't. You can't. Does it give you bad morning? I guess it would. It'd just be it's like milk. leaving milk out. Yeah. In like a hot room. A hot, humid room that is also your mouth. <laughs> like, All right. Point well taken. Anyway. Oh, okay. okay. So can I talk about rum? Yes. So I learned something about rum making this drink. So I want to figure out what black rum is specifically as opposed to like a clear rum as opposed yeah as opposed to like a clear rum or even a dark rum yeah and here's what i found out it's all bullshit oh it's all made up there's <laughs> okay. there's no like formal definition of like a black rum or a dark rum or a gold rum whatever so you went into this very open-minded and found out there was nothing to learn yes yeah i found out it was all shit it's all marketing <laughs> because okay. there's this preconceived notion that if something is darker it's stronger Stronger and that it's been aged longer oh, and that is makes less sense. fancier. Yeah, yeah. Clear rums are always less fancy. They seem trashy. However, black rums are actually tend to be pretty fucking cheap. Oh, really? I yes. guess because they, it's like maybe they can hide the imperfections more. Like, I don't know. I don't know exactly where like the black rum, it's like dark how they say, rum, like chocolate milk has from. more like mucus in it because they can conceal it. What? With the, oh, <laughs> so, okay. Maybe I'll wait till you're done your drink. I've Chocolate never... milk has a higher allowable like FDA mucus and blood content than regular milk because you can't see it. Interesting. Yeah. Isn't that gross? That doesn't gross me out because I'm disgusting, but it might gross you out. I'm just... Mucus. I don't know how to feel about it, so Cow let's move mucus. on. From there, we can go into fan theory. So the biggest one and the craziest one, which was the most interesting, is this so the idea is that this movie 
and being John Malkovich happen in the same universe. Oh shit, because they both have like that order of old yes. white people. Yes. Holy fuck. Yeah. And because they both have the character that plays uh what's her fucking name? That plays Oh, Catherine Keener? Yes, Keener. Yeah, the same she's chick. in both movies. Yeah. Holy fuck. So she's supposed to it's supposed to be this 20 years later. So the idea is that Maxine, who Keener plays. Just as a quick reminder, being John Malkovich is this movie directed by Spike Jones where uh, this guy, a puppeteer, um, finds a portal into the mind of the actor John Malkovich. Yeah. And basically the whole movie is him and his girlfriend and then some random chick that he works with who he falls in love with utilizing the portal. Right. So essentially what ends up happening at the end of that movie, which is important to know is that the two girls, uh, which are Catherine Keener and Cameron Diaz hook up with each other and leave John Cusack. Uh, his wife dust. and his coworker, right? His wife and his coworker, both of whom he's been sort of involved with. They ditch him and they leave. And the very end of the movie essentially has John Cusack trying to re-enter the mind of John Malkovich. Okay. But he ends up getting stuck in the spirit of their kid because being, because the guy, the portal is closed. Right. Cause there was like that order of Wait. weird old people that do shit. Like, I don't know. And like, I think they warned him, right? Like this is temporary. And like so what the, will happen? The, the portal yeah. is going to like into John Malkovich's mind is going to yeah. close for reasons. Yeah. It doesn't really, that part's not really important. What is important is that because Catherine Keener plays, Maxine in being John Malkovich and she plays the mom Missy in this movie. Right. The idea is that the two of them happen 20 years apart. Okay. And that in this movie, Catherine Keener's character, like the mom in get out is still basically part of that society. So what she tried to do was find a guy that could set that up for her. That's still whole body switching thing. She was still super into that. Okay. And then she took her girlfriend, Cameron Diaz, Cameron Diaz and transformed her into the dad, Bradley Whitford, Bradley Whitford. So in the movie, get out, the idea is that that body snatching society has continued (laughs) and that being John Malkovich and this movie occur in the same universe. Oh my God. Which is crazy. And also kind of explains why Emily Armitage, the daughter, like the girlfriend in get out, Rose uh, Cr- Chris's girlfriend. Chris's girlfriend yeah. in Get Out. It explains why she's so fucking crazy because the idea would be <laughs> is that she still has John Cusack's character stuck in her brain because that's where John Cusack gets stuck is in Maxine right. and Lot's daughter. So or, he, he yeah. like he tries to enter the John Malkovich's mind portal but ends up in... Is it his daughter? It's his daughter. So because John Cusack and Catherine Keener like hooked up yeah. And she got pregnant, but then Maxine, like Catherine Keener's character, got pregnant with oh John God. Cusick and then ran away with Cameron Diaz. So, yeah. so then this this little girl from being John Malkovich grows up to be... Psycho, because she has a random weirdo stepdad <laughs> slash her dad in her brain. So that's supposed to kind of explain why she's so crazy, but mostly just supposed to be a weird fucky theory about how it's all happening in the same universe, which is so crazy. Wow, that's a fucking wild theory. So what's crazy about this is that 
Jordan Peele, when you watch the video and he talks about reacting to this, he reads it and he's just like, holy shit. And he's like, okay, so it was not lost on me that I was doing another like weird, like body switching movie with like the same chick. He's like, that was not lost on me, but I didn't. And he's like, we made jokes about it on set and like, whatever. But like, he was like, this is not what I intended. But he said that he actually, when he last talked to Spike Jones, he told him about this theory and he said, Spike Jones started laughing and he's like, so... As far as I'm concerned, it's true. I'm. I wouldn't be surprised if Spike Jones just like planted the idea in Jordan <laughs> Peele's brain <laughs> and then just like made just watched it happen. This Maybe. is actually Spike Jones' movie. Oh yeah, but anyways, that one like blew my mind because I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, what a long ass fucking story for that. But anyways, so that one's super cool. It's a sequel nobody saw come coming. It's a sequel. A sneak. Just like Glass, or no. What? Um, uh, Split. That was a sequel. I don't even know what you're talking about. You don't know what Split is? No. It's the sequel to Unbreakable. What is Unbreakable? Fuck, you haven't seen Unbreakable? <laughs> no. Have you heard of M. Night Shyamalan? Oh, I don't really like his movies. No, they're pretty much all bad. Um, but yeah, that was the movie he made. Anyways, it doesn't matter. <laughs> he was in a sequel. A sequel. Okay, well, there's... One other, there's another thing that's worth mentioning for this. So did you know that there are multiple endings for this movie? No. Have they been released? Yes. There is what? one that you can watch. It's oh like a God. three minute video. Actually, I think I've heard about this. Um, sorry, go, go on, go on. So basically what they did was the original movie's ending was shot and it was like shown to test reviewers and it was like so bleak and they all hated it. So the way that the movie originally ended was when he's choking Rose in the street at the end, he actually does kill her. And then when the cop car pulls up, it is actually two cops who then arrest him and take him to prison. Oh, such a fucking downer ending. And then the final scene is Chris is in prison and Rod comes to visit him, his friend. And he says, look, man, like, I need you to start trying to remember some names. Like, I need you to, like, tell me what happened. Like, we, the fire didn't give us much to go on. Like, he's obviously trying to investigate it and clear his name. And Chris is like, no, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm good. I stopped it. I'm good. And just doesn't tell him what happened and, like, won't talk about it and just wants to be in prison forever because he's like, I did the right thing. And that's the end of the movie. And it's just like, fuck. <laughs> <sighs> So that that ending is on YouTube. It's shot. You can watch it. And okay. it is super fucking bummer. And apparently um, it's kind of people speculate that it was the studio that sort of forced Peel to change it to something a little bit more uplifting. I thought it had to do with the whole Black Lives Matter movement. And, and like that, that's what he all said. All these people getting fucking shot. Yeah, that's what Peel said is he said that the tone of the discussion around sort of the the race discussion had changed at the time and he wanted it to be an uplifting movie by the time it was coming out. That's what Peel has said is why they changed it to something like a little less miserable. I think just overall the ending that we got more suited the tone of the movie. Definitely. I read people saying that it cheapened it and I was like, it didn't. It was a good, it was a feel good ending for that movie, which is not feel good at all. You know, like totally plausible. Yeah. Motherfuckers TSA. Yeah. I'm handling it. (laughs) Shit's handled. The other ending is that Chris is, this was, I suppose back when originally they were shooting the movie and the family lived more in like what was like a gated community. 
So Chris gets to like the front door of the house and then it kind of cuts to black. And then like it's assumed that it's like a few days later, Rod goes to the gated community to try and find Chris, finds him and talks to him. And Chris says he doesn't know who he is. Oh, they got him. Yeah. That one's not shot, but apparently there are multiple endings available in the DVD. So I'm not sure if it's actually on there, if it's just the one ending that's on there, but that's the other ending is that Chris does get like mind taken or whatever. Now that one just seems like a stock kind of horror movie ending. Like if you had no imagination, that is kind of how it would just go. Because you don't have to end the movie. You just cut to black and then show something else and you're like, I'm done. Yeah. Which is very horror movie. All right. So let's start talking ratings here. Okay. All right, what what are you thinking for? Let's start off with scares. How many skulls are you gonna give this one? Um, I would give it like a three. Like it creeped me out the entire movie long, but I didn't find it scary. No, I mean we can also use this for tension too, right? It was very very tense. I could go for a three as well. It did keep me feeling pretty tense all the way through, and yeah. I can point to at least one moment where I actually felt like not scary, but like incredibly tense when, um, Oh, I forget his name. Um, but he takes the picture of the guy with his camera and he like snaps yes. out of his trance, Arthur, Arthur. And he starts he saying, flips, get out, get yeah. out. It's like that just really, that's true. Made that my was skin fucking crawl. crazy. Yeah. They but, did a good job of that. But you are right. The main, um, especially with the comedy offsets too. Like I feel like that yeah. helps a lot in alleviating the tension, which I think is what makes it so accessible to non-horror movie fans. Um, yes, but I don't think like overall, I still think it's like, it's a movie you can watch and go to bed. Like you don't, it doesn't keep you up. Like it doesn't like <laughs> creep you out for days. Like no, it's, we won't put this in the category. Once the ruin again, your life category movies that will ruin your life. At least ruin Thank the heart you, of it. Yeah. Martyrs. Yeah. Fuck. God. Um, no, yeah, I'd give it like a three. And what's yep. the next one? Blood drops? Yep. For gore or violence. Probably like a, well, okay. Oh, I was going to yeah, say, the surgery. I was going to say, there's actually very few until the end when there is a fucking Mandy level rampage through the house where he kills the whole family. So <laughs> I guess it's probably got like at least a three, maybe a, not, not a, I wouldn't I'm, give it a five. I want to give it, I want to give five. it a two though. I want to give it a two because you yeah. don't see shit really. No, that's true. You see them get stabbed. You see a little bit of a brain. Yeah. The fight with his brother is the, the main thing. So if they had done the original ending where he chokes Rose to death, that one's pretty intense because it's just straight up. It's just her getting choked. Yeah. If they showed the brother getting face stomped, then yeah, yeah you they know don't. what? They pan up. You're right. So yeah. there's probably a two. All right. Yeah. Let's give it, give it a two, two blood drops. Yeah. And then overall quality. So for this one, I want to give it a four. To me, it's a really good movie, but I think about five-star movies, and it's always going to be those movies that I can't just, I I just can't stop shoving them in people's faces. Like, you know, you start talking about movies with people, it's like, have you seen this one? Have you seen this one? Like, I'm going to be fucking selling that shit all the time. And for whatever reason, this movie just doesn't have it for me. Maybe because it's already so, so ready. Maybe because it's already so popular. I think that's why. Because yeah. when I first watched it, like, I remember this movie being one of the ones that I recommend. So it wasn't, you're right, it wasn't one that I just pushed on, like, my friends. 
but it was one that I pushed on people that I wouldn't normally push it on. Like my parents, I was like, you should watch this. This is a cool movie. Like you're going to like it. Yeah. It's accessible too, yeah. right? It's a mainstream movie. So that's what we got then. We got a three, two, four kind of thing going. Well, I guess that was a Jordan Peele's get out. Maybe we'll do us at some point. Yeah, I'd like to watch that one. Apparently, it is more pure horror. Oh, wait, you haven't seen that one? I haven't seen it. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. so apparently he... Well, okay, I don't want to get too much into it, or I'm just going to ruin all your fucking research, all of your research. So you know what? You're just going to have to tune into that episode when the fuck we get around to doing <laughs> Thank you for listening. Uh, as always, you can find us online at drunkduckcinemaclub.com. You can also find us on our Facebook and Instagram pages by the same name. If you go on our website or any of those other things, you will find recipes for the cocktails, recordings of the podcast, and any other interesting tidbits or links that we think you might want to check out. Yeah, and please, uh, if you can, leave us a review on iTunes. We'd very much appreciate that. And uh, yeah, quack, quack, bitches. Quack, quack, bitches.